Well, hello and welcome to Walk It Out. I am Leah McCray. It is good to be with you today. We are transforming our bodies as we transform our minds. We are going to just do a bit of review of Genesis 38 and then we are going to move on to Genesis 39. But first, as always, um, we open up in prayer. So go ahead and get on your bike or get outside for your walk. Get in position for your Pilates and your weightlifting or get up on your treadmill as I am today. So let's just start in prayer. Father God, in the name of Jesus, we just thank you that you are our daddy. We thank you, Lord God, that um, for Jesus, for the blood that covers us, we thank you uh, that we can come to you with all things great and small. You said to bring them at your feet. Father, we ask for forgiveness of sin. We thank you for the blood of Jesus that washes us clean. We love you. We bless you. Have your way in this time today. Uh, give us revelation and discernment in your word as we draw near to you, Father. We thank you and we bless you in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so let's go ahead and get started. Um, so we went over Genesis 38, but I just want to do a little review on that. That was about Judah and Tamar. Um, how uh, Judah had left. Okay, let's just start. Read a bit of this. Verse 1. About this time, Judah left home and moved to Abdullam, where he stayed with a man named Hira. There he saw a Canaanite woman, the daughter of Shua, and married her. So it's... Uh, that chapter talks about how Judah married this woman and uh, gave birth to three sons and how his sons, uh, the first son was evil and the Lord uh, just took his life. <clears throat> and then uh, um, he was married and so Judah told the other, his the second son, I believe his name was Onan, yep, uh, to, to marry the first son's wife so uh, that she would have a child I'm not actually to marry her but to lie with her so that she could have a descendant from his first son and he didn't do that he spilled his seed on the ground uh, he didn't do that he didn't honor this woman and so <clears throat> uh, God took his life as well uh, so then Judah was left with one son and uh, who was a younger son, and he had told this woman, uh, Tamar, uh, that uh, he would have his youngest son marry her or lie with her so that she could have a son when he was older. Uh, but he had no intention of doing, doing this because Judah was afraid that the same fate would befall this young son as befallen his other sons. So he had so he treated her deceitfully because he had no intention of doing this but he told her that that he would do that so um, so Tamar uh, realized that this was happening and that uh, Judah was going to deal uh, deceitfully um, after the young son had grown and uh, Judah had no um, um, did not look like he intended to give his son to her. So at this point, um, we're going to pick it up in verse, let's see, chapter 38. We're going to go to verse 14. Okay, so Tamar was aware that Shayla, who was the youngest son, had grown up, but no arrangements 
had been made for her to come and marry him. So she changed out of her widow's clothing and covered herself with a veil to disguise herself. Then she sat beside the road at the entrance to the village of Enam, which is on the road to Timnah. Judah noticed her and thought she was a prostitute since she had covered her face. So he stopped and propositioned her. Let me have sex with you, he said, not realizing that she was his own daughter-in-law. How much will you pay to have sex with me, Tamar asked. I'll send you a young goat for my flock, Judah promised. But what will you give me to guarantee that you will send the goat, she asked. What kind of guarantee do you want, he replied. She answered, leave me your identification seal and its cord and the walking stick you are carrying. So Judah gave them to her. Excuse me. <clears throat> then he had intercourse with her and she became pregnant. Afterwards, she went back home, took off her veil, and put on her widow's clothing as usual. Okay, so what we see in, in, this, in these verses is the sin that has crept into the house of Judah. And remember, Judah is one of the 12 sons who are going to be the 12 tribes of Israel, right? So, and Judah is um, in the direct line of Jesus. Jesus comes from the line of Judah. So we know that, the, uh, that these um, people, these sons, these, these lines are set apart by God. But yet we see where idolatry and, um, and sin has crept into these families. And we can see this in the fact that two of Judah's sons were taken, uh, uh, were killed because they were evil in God's sight. And also Judah was dealing uh, deceitfully with his daughter-in-law. Okay, so I love how God, he doesn't whitewash anything. He allows us to see what can happen in our lives when we stray away from him. <clears throat> so in verse 20, um, it says, Later Judah asked his friend Hira, the Abdulamite, to take the young goat to the woman and to pick up the things he had given her as his guarantee. But Hira couldn't find her. So he asked the men who lived there, where can I find the shrine prostitute who was sitting beside the road at the entrance to Enam? We've never had a shrine prostitute here, they replied. So Harah returned to Judah and told him I couldn't find her anywhere. And the men of the village claimed they've never had a shrine prostitute there. Then uh, Judah said, let her keep the things I gave her. I sent the young goat as we agreed. But you couldn't find her. We'd be the laughing stock of the village if we went back again to look for her. So about three months later, Judah was told, Tamar, your daughter-in-law has acted like a prostitute. Wow. So there are fingers being pointed at Tamar. She's being accused of a sin because of something that they see. But yet, no fingers are being pointed to Judah, who is the one who has actually sinned, but no one can see that. Okay, so, and now because of this, she's pregnant, they said. Um, Bring her out here and let her be burned, Judah demanded. So he pronounces judgment on her, not knowing that he is the one that has committed sin. Okay, uh, but as they were taking her out to kill her, she sent this message to her father-in-law. 
The man who owns these things made me pregnant. Look closely. Whose seal and cord and walking stick are these? Uh, so Judah recognized them immediately and said, She is more righteous than I, because I didn't arrange for her to marry my son Shelah. And Judah never slept with Tamar again. So here is a good thing. Okay, here is an example that we should kind of tuck in our heart and remember. So Judah acted sinfully and deceitfully against the Lord and against Tamar. But sometimes, you know, we will be doing things and not really see the, the sin that we're doing. He had no conception or realization that he was walking in sin, that he was uh, far away from God in that moment. He just didn't uh, have an understanding of that. I mean, he devised this plan. You know, he went about living his life. He went and had sex with a prostitute. <laughs> but in his mind, he wasn't really doing anything wrong. But it took a moment of clarity. It took a moment of mercy from the Lord to allow him to see himself and to give him the opportunity to repent. And that's what he did. He repented in that moment. He confessed his sin. And that's what we need to do. We need to remember that, um, or we need to understand that when God gives us, holds up a mirror to ourselves and we see that thing, we need to not make excuses, not act like we don't see it, but to go ahead and confess it and then get right with God. <clears throat> and that's what Judah did. So when the time came for Tamar to give birth, it was discovered that she was carrying twins. While she was in labor, one of the babies reached out his hand. Uh, the midwife grabbed it and tied a scarlet string around the child's wrist, announcing this one came out first. But then he pulled back his hand and out came his brother. What? The midwife explained. How did you break out first? So he was named Perez. Then the baby with the scarlet string on his wrist was born and he was named Zara. Alright, so that's the end of chapter 38. Now we're going on to chapter 39. How you guys doing? Let's see, we've been about 10 minutes. Uh, I'm going up some hills right now, but God is good. Alright, so verse 1. When Joseph was taken to Egypt by the Ishmaelite traders, he was purchased by Potiphar, an Egyptian officer. Potiphar was captain of the guard for Pharaoh, the king of Egypt. The Lord was with Joseph, so he succeeded in everything he did as he served in the home of his Egyptian master. Listen to this and understand this link. The Lord was with Joseph, so he succeeded in everything he did. When the Lord is with you, you will have success. When the Lord is with you, you don't have to worry about, about uh, your life and about things happening uh, in your life. When the Lord is with you, you will have success. And then, I remember this also, uh, Reuben, the firstborn, the, the firstborn of Isaac of Israel, was supposed to have the blessing, right? But that was forfeited. He forfeited his blessing when he sinned against his father. Remember, 
when he lied with his father's concubine. And the, and the firstborn blessing was removed from him, and it was given to Joseph. So now we're going to start to follow Joseph's life in, in the Word. So understand that the Lord is with him. Uh, you know, his brother sold him uh, to the Ishmaelites, who again are their brothers, are their uh, uh, are Abraham's sons by the not the woman of promise, remember, but the the woman of, of flesh, as the word calls it. So anyway, okay, so we see that Joseph is is here in Egypt. <coughs> And the Lord is with them. Okay, so Potiphar noticed this and realized that the Lord was with Joseph, giving him success in everything he did. This pleased Potiphar, so he soon made Joseph his personal attendant. He put him in charge of his entire household and everything he owned. Favor, look at this, favor, favor in the blessing of God. From the day Joseph was put in charge of his master's household and property, the Lord began to bless Potiphar's household for Joseph's sake. All his household affairs ran smoothly, and his crops and livestock flourished. So Potiphar gave Joseph complete administrative responsibility over everything he owned. With Joseph there, he didn't worry about a thing except what kind of food to eat. Listen to that. So because the favor of God was on Joseph's life, whoever was in his, his sphere of influence prospered. And that's the same thing with you and I today. When the, the, the favor of God is on our lives. So everywhere we go, people are blessed because we know the Lord. And more importantly, he's no, uh, we are known by him. We have the blessing on our lives. So we are a blessing to other people. Uh, getting back, uh, Joseph was a very handsome and well-built young man, and Potiphar's wife soon began to look at him lustfully. Come and sleep with me, she demanded, but Joseph refused. Look, he told her, my master trusts me with everything in his entire household. No one here has more authority than I do. He has held back nothing from me except you, because you are his wife. How could I do such a wicked thing? It would be a great sin against God. So here we see the integrity of Joseph. Okay, everything that he's gone through, um, how he's been treated. He's in this home. He see God has favored him, and God has blessed him, and and he is holding on to his integrity. He is like, you know, he tells her that I'm not gonna sin against my God. You know, so. Um, that is a great uh, word for us. Uh, verse 10. She kept putting pressure on Joseph day after day. And this is the enemy. Okay, this is uh, the devil behind this. The same pressure that she's putting on Joseph, that the enemy is putting on Joseph. Uh, the enemy uh, pressures us on a daily basis to try and get us to to operate outside of the word of God, to try and get us to disobey, to try and lure us into a trap that only leads to death and destruction. So understand, this woman is being used by the devil. Day after day, it says, but he refused to sleep with her, and he kept out of her way as much as possible. One day, however, no one else was around when he went in to do his work. She came and grabbed him by his cloak, demanding, come on, sleep with me. 
Joseph tore himself away, but he left his cloak in her hand and he ran from the house. Sometimes you gotta run, guys. Sometimes we gotta run from 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 that sin. We gotta run from that uh, seduction, from that temptation. You know, don't worry about <laughs> being embarrassed or, or or what other people are thinking of you. Get the heck out of there. Turn away. Run from it. So, verse thirteen. When she saw that she was holding his cloak and he had fled, she called out to her servants. Soon all the men came running. Look, she said, my husband has brought this Hebrew slave here to make fools of us. He came into my room to rape me. Look at this lie. But I screamed. When he heard me scream, he ran outside and got away. But he left his cloak behind with me. So here the enemy um, is, is lying on Joseph. And uh, let's see what happens. So verse 16. Uh, she kept the cloak with her until her husband came home. Then she told him her story. That Hebrew slave you brought into our house tried to come in and, and fool around with me, she said. But when I screamed, he ran outside leaving his cloak with me. Potiphar was furious when he heard his wife's story about how Joseph had treated her. So he took Joseph and threw him into the prison where the king's prisoners were held and there he remained. So it appears like the enemy has succeeded, right, in, in, in uh, interrupting God's plan for Joseph's life and uh, in causing a curse to land on him instead of the, instead of the blessing of God. Oh, but appearances... Appearances can be deceptive, right? It's not what it looks like. So verse 27, it says, But the Lord was with Joseph in the prison and showed him his faithful love. And the Lord made Joseph a favorite with the prison warden. Now, let's just think about this, though, from Joseph's perspective. You know, it may have seemed to him like, like uh, the enemy was winning. You know, he was... He was accused of something that he didn't do. The, the person that he was serving or that he was working with, you know, believed, believed this lie and put him in prison. So just imagine, you know, you have something uh, stolen from you, taken from you uh, for no reason, you know, for a lie. Not for no reason, but for a lie that the enemy has started against you uh, unjustly. You know, so even though we know uh, as we're reading this, that this is something that um, that the enemy has done and that the Lord is still with him. I mean, just imagine what it may feel like to him. But anyway, he's in this prison. God is still with him. God's still showing him favor and uh, faithfulness. And so now he's become a favorite to the prison warden. So God is still giving him favor. Uh, before long, the warden put Joseph in charge of all the other prisoners and over everything that happened in prison. So when he was um, in Potiphar's house, he rose to, to the level of authority and power through the favor of God. Now he's in this prison and he arises to the same level of authority. And that just shows you that the favor of God is, will be on you no matter where you are. Amen, no matter what you're doing. So, the warden had no more worries because Joseph took care of everything. The Lord was with him and caused everything he did to succeed. So, 
as we wind down we've been on here 20 minutes now so I'm almost time for our cool down let's just think about this one takeaway uh, that we can get from chapter 39 and that is the faithfulness of God and that is the favor of God on your life don't worry about your circumstances don't um, take no thought to where you may be at this moment but just know that God's favor when God's favor is on your life nothing it doesn't matter what's going on around you okay God is going to get you to the place that he has called you to be so just remember that today so take these last um, few moments and cool down um, if you're cooling down I know some of you may be doing more than 30 minutes but uh, just chew on this word. Think about what um, God has spoken to you in these chapters. And just bless him for it. And, and apply this in your life. Right? And begin to live each day knowing that the favor of God is upon you. And when the favor of God is upon you, can't no enemy from hell uh, disrupt what God is doing in your life. Alright, so have a wonderful, blessed day. And until we work out again, transforming our bodies as we transform our mind, be blessed.